Hey y'all, welcome back to Ego Chic. My name is Laura Diaz, and today's conversation is something that I've wanted to explore for a really long time. We're speaking today with Tina Anderson, CEO and co-founder of Just Thrive. Just Thrive was founded in 2013, really setting out to create a new category within the probiotic market. And I think what's so interesting about this conversation around probiotics, around creating new categories within the probiotic market, is that for a long time there hasn't been innovation in the space, and yet we're hearing so many people interested in healing their guts. So we know that folks are experiencing problems, but we haven't really seen a lot of science and innovation in the space. So today's conversation with Tina is a really interesting look at the science behind probiotics, but also more broadly taking a holistic look at the medical industry as we know it today. Tina is a lawyer, she worked in the pharmaceutical industry, and she co-founded Just Thrive with her husband, who was also in the pharmaceutical space. And I feel like her origin story is so important to the larger conversation that we're going to have throughout this episode about probiotics, about healing our bodies, preventative medicine, maintenance, and not just simply treating symptoms. Also, just zooming way out, I think that one of the challenges we have when we talk about natural remedies or we talk about healing our body's preventative medicine, very often it feels like it has to be one or the other. Like it really seems sometimes that our choices are either you're choosing natural medicine or you're choosing modern medicine and those are your only options. It's very binary. And I think what's so interesting about today's conversation is that that is absolutely not the case. And there is the science and innovation in the natural medicine space that can absolutely support and go hand in hand with modern medicine. I love taking a holistic lens to any topic, and I feel like this topic of healing our guts of probiotics is another really, really interesting way that we can think more deeply about what we currently know, about what questions we're asking, and just push ourselves a little bit further. So if you, like I was, if you're always asking yourself, like, why is everyone healing their gut? Today's conversation is going to shed some light on that. I'm really, really excited for you to listen to this. And I'm also going to link in the show notes some extra resources, some other episodes. So if you want to continue learning more holistically about the topics in today's conversation, we really do cover a lot. I'll have it all in the show notes for you. Oh my God. Also, I am so excited to say if you are listening on Spotify, you can watch this episode of Eco Chic, or you should be able to at least. I'm really, really excited about this. Please, if you do watch it, let me know what you think. Also, if this is your first time tuning in, make sure that you're subscribed to Eco Chic wherever you're listening today. So that's iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio. All of my social media links are always in the show notes, as well as the link to sign up for our newsletter. With that, I am so excited for you to hear today's conversation with Tina Anderson, CEO and co-founder of Just Thrive. I know you'll really enjoy it. And before we got started, I was telling you all about my personal and familial interest in gut health. And something that I'm excited to talk to you about and learn a little bit more about is how you got into the space of gut health. You came from a pharmaceutical background, and I'd love to hear a little bit about your early career. How did you get into the pharmacy space? Yeah, it's kind of a crazy journey. Um, that's why I have kids who are, I mean, I have adult children right now, and um, two of them are in the work world. One of them is in college. And I always say, you know, what do you want to do first in life? Because when you look at my background, I, I started out in litigation. I, I'm an attorney, so I was in litigation for many years. Um, have you know grueling schedule, and then I decided that I wanted to have more of a work life balance. You know, I'm raising kids, and I just was working too many hours, so I I was able to segue into a family pharmaceutical business where I was able to you know deliver life saving medications to people. I was like, this is great, and I was in the business with my husband, which was wonderful, and we thought this was awesome. You know, like people need medications. I was able to be the in house counsel for this pharmaceutical business, but I felt like the work I was doing was really making a difference. Um, after being in the industry for a while, we really started to notice the abuses in the industry. You know, we started to see the, seeing the overprescribing of medications, and we um, saw even like pharmaceutical reps coming into our office and saying things like, oh, you know, now we need to go tell the doctors to prescribe more of this particular medication, even though somebody didn't necessarily need it. And so it was kind of like, wow, you know, we couldn't believe this was going on. And then we started to see the same thing happen with, um, you know, um, relatives that we had. We saw relatives that would be on one pharmaceutical. And then the next thing you know, that pharmaceutical caused a, you know, joint issue. And then, then she was on a different medication and then that caused stomach issues. And then before you know it, she was on a half a dozen medications and not getting any better. And so we decided, you know, that this is not our life's work. We were, my husband and I both are pretty deep thinkers. We read a lot of Norman Vincent Peale. Wayne Dyer was one of our personal heroes. 
And we were like, you know what? This is not our life's work. We are not doing what we really want to be doing. You know, we know we live a very, um, you know, natural life. We lived a very natural life with our kids. You know, when my kids got a fever, I would kind of let them run the fever. I wouldn't give them Tylenol and Motrin right away. I'd be like, oh, this is our body's natural way to fight off infection is by having a fever. And I would never let it get dangerously high, but I knew our body is beautifully designed to heal itself at times. And there is certainly a place for pharmaceuticals for acute situations or emergency medicine type of situations. But we just both didn't feel like it was a place to, you know, for chronic conditions. So, you know, there's no, in in the pharmaceutical model, and unfortunately in the conventional medicine model, there's no room for like prevention. It's always about treatment. And we wanted to focus our careers on something that was important to us, which was prevention. What can we do to help maintain a healthy lifestyle and prevent disease from happening and, and coming to us? So um, we did a lot of research, a lot of prayer and meditation and Lots of um, being at the right place at the right time. And we were able to license these very, very um, particular strains of probiotics out of London University. And so we brought these very um, unique strains and we were disruptors in the market. We brought, you know, everybody's heard of probiotics, but nobody had ever heard of the type of strains that we brought to the market. And it was an uphill battle in some respects, but it was so worth it because we've seen the difference it's made in so many people's lives. And so from there, that's where Just Thrive was born. So it's been really, really fun. Thank you for that background. I feel like this is a wonderful trajectory of your story of how Just Thrive came to be. Something that you mentioned that I want to zoom in on a little bit is that this is a business you started with your husband, who is also in the pharmaceutical industry, also kind of at a disdain with his career. Um, and then you also mentioned that you were a mother and a family that focused really on natural remedies when possible. Was that a conscious decision while you were working in the pharmaceutical industry, seeing people prescribe medicine and choosing not to support that within your family structure? Or was that something that kind of just came naturally to you? Like, did you grow up in a very natural remedy focused household? Yeah, that's a great question. So it's interesting. My, I, I, I was, I was brought up in a pretty natural remedy focused household, but I don't think it was really intentional. It was my mom and dad are both immigrants from Eastern Europe, and that's just kind of what they knew. You know, they came here when they were in when they were teenagers, and um, they came to this country, and then they met each other and had us, and we just, my mom, you know, cooked really naturally, um, just didn't give us tons of medication. So I just think it was just the way we were, you know, raised and. Um, but we we always looked at pharmaceuticals as a really great thing, you know, like, oh, my God, this is amazing. We have modern medicine that could heal disease. And 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 modern medicine really is incredible and when used at the right time. I just I find that it's it's really being abused in a lot of ways. You know, I think that's what we're seeing is that there's you know, when somebody has a stomach issue, it's like, oh, here's medicine. It's not like, well, why do I have a stomach? Or if I someone has an allergy or autoimmune issue, well, why do you have that? what's what's the reason behind it? And there's never like this deep dive into that when you're in modern medicine. We have, you know, the ten minute, if you're lucky appointment with a doctor, and it's like, okay, this is what I could prescribe. And you know, unfortunately, you know, Medical schools are being funded by big pharma these days, and and that's what we're faced with. And so, doctors are really well intentioned people. They're very smart people, but unfortunately, they're being educated by you know big pharma. And so that was really, I think, when all of that started to come to fruition with us, we were like, wow, you know, we need to not complain about it, just do something about it, and try to make the world a better place. I appreciate that, and I appreciate that you point out that there is a space for natural remedies and modern medicine to coexist well. It's about your intentions. It's about preventative medicine. It's about being really intentional with the questions you're asking around the issues that you're trying to solve. Because I feel like sometimes natural remedies get this rap that it's one or the other. It's modern medicine or natural remedies. But I really like this philosophy that there's space for both. It depends on the questions that you're asking yourself and what you're trying to solve. I agree with you entirely. I never want to come across as that I feel like there's not a place for modern medicine or, you know, for modern medicine. I just, I feel, you know, God forbid, you know, someone's in a car accident, you're going to go to the emergency room for that. You know, th there's wonderful things that could be done. And 
Um, and there's wonderful life-saving medications out there, but there are many medications that cause a lot of side effects that, um, you know, maybe we shouldn't be putting people on so quickly. And, and I think it's just about empowering yourself to help ask better questions when you're in the doctor's office or when you're faced with an issue and start doing your own research. Yeah, I agree. And I think something that's so interesting to me about the gut health conversation specifically is that gut health is linked to so many issues that people do not often realize, or it's linked to so many imbalances or, you know, there's so much around gut health that we do not give full credit to when it comes to our own well-being. So before I even talk to you about gut health, I think something to note is that you mentioned in the probiotics that Just Thrive brought to market initially, they were strains of probiotics that had never been seen before or never been brought to market before. What is our historical relationship with probiotics? Why does it feel like there hasn't been innovation recently? Or why does it feel like we were waiting for something more? Yeah, well, I think it was because about 12, 15 years ago, the National Institutes of Health launched the Human Microbiome Project. And that project told us more about the gut than we ever knew before. You know, you touched on it that we, you know, we always think of our gut as, you know, gut issues having like um, gas or bloating or diarrhea, constipation, acid reflux, you know, something kind of digestive in nature. But what, what that project told us is that really, there's really virtually no disease that's out there, no non-communicable disease that's not associated with some type of imbalance in our gut. And we're seeing that now there's such a huge gut-brain connection going on. There's such a, you know, any disease out there, I mean, from heart disease to um, cancer, diabetes, autoimmune issues, these are, there's all, all of those have some type of root cause from our gut. We know our immune system is in our gut. So 80% of our immune tissue is found in our gut lining. Um, you know, skin issues. People think of acne. You know, no one's thinking of their, your gut when you're t dealing with acne, but we should be because a skin rash or acne are all associated with some type of imbalance in the gut. Oh, and what we found out is that most probiotics on the market were comprised of these two types of strains, these lactobacillus and bifidobacterium strains. And I don't want to get too sciencey or anything like that, but um, basically these two types of strains are what really 90% of the probiotics on the market, if not 95% of the probiotics on the market are made up of. And um, now we know that what we need instead in our gut are strains that actually survive the journey to the intestines. And we could definitely go into that more, but the, the strains that we work with are called spore-based probiotics, and they actually have the ability to get to the intestines alive which the overwhelming majority of probiotics on the market just don't make that journey to the intestines alive. So um, in our, if we had evolved, you know, when we evolved, you know, years ago, our ancestors would eat off the land. They would eat roots and tubers off the land and they would get these bacteria that are found in our product, these bacillus subtilis strains that are found in our product. We used to eat them, eat those, you know, get that soil from the land and we would consume these bacteria on a regular basis. But now with our soil being over farmed, contaminated, we just don't get those nutrients from the soil anymore. And it's now necessary to be able to supplement so that we could get those same, you know, um, nutrients from the soil. I almost never hear about soil health being directly impacting our well-being as consumers of the food that's being grown. And I think that the idea of gut health being tied to this larger issue of modern farming, for example, modern agriculture, is also really shocking sometimes to people because it feels like something that should not be so deeply impacted. So can you talk to me a little bit more about the soil health aspect of gut health? Like what have we lost? How can we get back to that beyond simply trying to remedy it with more and more supplements? You spoke a little bit about probiotics, but why are those probiotics so impactful when it comes to supplementing our diets? Yeah, well, Unfortunately, the only way we're going to get back to that type of soil is if we go to these tribes that are in Papua New Guinea or Tanzania. I mean, those populations have virtually no IBS or Crohn's or colitis or anything like that. They don't have digestive issues. They're eating off the land and they're getting these incredible soils, you know, that has have these bacteria strains in them and they're they're consuming them on a regular basis. So 
I would love to see a time when we could get back to that. But with the glyphosate, which of course is the active ingredient in Roundup that's being sprayed all over our produce and contaminating our soil, now it's contaminating our rainwater. I just don't see a place where we'll ever get back to soil. I mean, I'm sorry to be so negative, but I just don't know how it's going to happen. I mean, I don't even know how we can't, you know, in our, it, it's crazy to me that we're spraying glyphosate all over our produce. And we're, and glyphosate is actually so disruptive to the gut. We know, like, for example, antibiotics are so disruptive to the gut. I also know antibiotics sometimes save lives, and so sometimes we need to take them. But antibiotics are in our animal products, and they kill off the good bacteria as well as the bad bacteria. The problem with glyphosate, which is the active ingredient in Roundup, it's only targeting the good bacteria in our gut. So um, we're actually getting rid of our good bacteria by eating, you know, sometimes eating fruit, you know, just because it's sprayed with glyphosate all over it. So um, it's hard to know where we're going to ever see an end to that until we stop contaminating our soil, which is what we're doing. I feel like the post-COVID world of antibacterial is on another level than it was even pre-COVID, I think, for a very long time. We as a consumer society have associated antibacterial with a very positive messaging that you're taking better care of yourself, that you're extra clean if it's an antibacterial product. But correct me if I'm wrong, the majority of the bacteria that we have is good bacteria. Yes. Oh, my God. You are 100 percent spot on. And I always say I feel like bacteria needs a PR campaign because less than one percent of bacteria is actually harmful. The majority of the bacteria on us is so beneficial to us. I mean, the worst thing, in my opinion, we could be doing is using antibacterial hand sanitizers and antibacterial soaps because what we're doing is we're killing off our microbes. We're killing off these bacteria that live on and in us that are helping us, that are providing, you know, immunity benefits to us, providing digestive benefits to us. And um, it, it's just, it's I, for years, well before COVID, I was always telling people, you know, don't use antibacterial hand sanitizers or antibacterial soaps. And I, I, you know, continue to feel that way. I feel strongly about that because here we're killing off our bacteria. And remember, 80% of our immune system is found in our gut. We want to embrace our bacteria. We want to take care of our bacteria because that's helping support our, our immune system. If our gut is compromised, it's not sending those signals to our immune cells. It's not even activating to our immune cells. So we have got to be taking care of our bacteria before, first and foremost. And that's what's so hard to watch. We first know now that the gut is responsible for virtually all aspects of our overall health. Um, like I said, the Human Microbiome Project told, told us that very clearly. Um, but yet we live in this world that is so disruptive to our gut health. You know, from, like I said, the antibiotics that we take, antibiotics that are found in our food supply, the glyphosate that's found in Roundup that's being sprayed all over our produce, all of these cleaning supplies that we're using, um, both on our, you know, in our, like in our kitchens, in our bathrooms, but also on ourselves. you know, other body care products that we're using. Uh, the chemicals, the air we're breathing. We are living in this world that's so disruptive to our overall health. And yet, you know, we know now that our gut is dictating so much of our overall health. So it's it's really, it's kind of a, it's, it's not a great picture, but I, I will tell you, we can heal our guts. And that's what's exciting. We really can heal our guts. And um, I, I don't want to leave all on a bad note, but I'm like, we can heal our guts. No, that's not a bad note at all. That's exactly what I was going to ask you. I feel like healing the gut is the kind of buzzy experience of our time right now. People are looking to heal their guts. My question is, knowing that we have so much great bacteria in our guts, knowing that there is so much that our gut health dictates for our overall well-being, what does healing your gut actually look like? What does that mean to heal your gut? Okay, well, that's a great question, and I have a really fun analogy that I like to use when someone asks me this, is if you envision a garden, and the garden has been stepped on and trampled on, and there's weeds growing all over that garden, and you kind of compare that to your intestines, and so inside of your gut, you have these good bacteria, but they're not really doing anything. They're stepped on and trampled on, and then you've got this pathogenic or bad bacteria that's kind of overgrowing, you know, in your gut. Um, in your intestines. So now go back to that garden. So the garden, you've got these plants stepped on, trampled on, weeds growing all over. 
So what people have been trying to do is throw in probiotic strains, like I've been talking about, and you throw them into the garden. Most of those never get there because in the in the body, you have the stomach. The stomach is very acidic. It's meant to be the acidic barrier or, you know, the gastric barrier. So it's very, you know, they say that you burn your finger if you touch the acid in um, your stomach acid. It's so powerful. So it's meant to be the gastric barrier. So most of those probiotic strains, when they're thrown in that garden, are dying. They're never even getting there. But let's say they do some get in there. They may plant a new plant in that garden. So maybe the plant looks a little bit better. So with your gut, maybe you're going to get a little bit of benefit from those probiotic strains, but they're not really making a change in that in your gut. So with the spore-based probiotics that are used in Just Thrive, you throw the strains in that garden, they all get there alive, but they attach to the soil in the garden. They have the ability to get rid of that overgrowth of the weeds, and then they have the ability to take those good plants and help them come back to life. Where now you go back to your body, and these strains go in there, they attach to the intestinal cell wall, they have the ability to get rid of the overgrowth of that pathogenic bacteria, and then they have the ability to help bring those good bacteria that are natural to us and help bring them back to life. So it's one of the most powerful ways to actually shift how your gut is, you know, with the ecosystem of your gut. So we want to see a shift to make it a more beneficial. We want more beneficial bacteria than we want pathogenic bacteria. And, you know, people are so concerned with like getting rid of the bad bacteria. We're not looking to get rid of it entirely. Like I said, it's an ecosystem. They can live well amongst each other, but we just don't want the bad bacteria taking over the good bacteria. And that's unfortunately what's happening with a large part of the population because our guts are so compromised right now. And it's why we're seeing this rise in allergies, why we're seeing this rise in autoimmune disease, why we're seeing rise in disease. I mean, when I was a child, which was a long, long time ago, I mean, I knew one classmate that had a peanut allergy, one classmate from kindergarten all the way through the end of high school. And I went to a very large high school. Nowadays, you know, we see, you know, peanut-free tables and, you know, you can't go to a restaurant without them asking if you have you know, some type of food allergy. And so, you know, this is an epidemic we're living with in large part. What we're finding out from the Human Microbiome Project is that it's our gut that's dictating all of these diseases. Um, Like I said, um, our immune system, 80% of our immune system is found in our gut. Um, And even our, you know, our mood is very tied to that. And we could go into that later as well, but our mood is tied to that. 90% of our serotonin, which is our happy hormone, is produced in our gut, not in our brain, but in our gut. So it's our gut that's dictating our mood. And then there's a communication between the gut and the brain all the time. Um, And we want to increase that communication between the gut and the brain. So um, really, really important to be focusing on our gut health. Thank you for so much background that you painted in such a beautiful way. The garden analogy makes total sense to me. So thank you so much for that. I wanted also to clarify quickly when we talk about spore-based probiotics Is that what we're considering active probiotics? Because I feel like sometimes when I think of probiotics or when I hear about any naysayers around probiotics, it's around how active the probiotic is. Does it need to stay in a refrigerator? Does it need to be tended to, I suppose, before you're consuming it? Yeah. Oh, my God. This is such a great question because just to be defined as a probiotic, it needs to be a live microorganism that confers a benefit onto the host, which the host is the body. So it needs to be a live microorganism when it gets into the intestines. Like I had mentioned, you know, people, we already know the gastric system is that our stomach is killing off the majority of these live bacteria. So even if they're live when you buy them at the store, chances are they're going to die when they hit your body because it's 98.6. In fact, that's one of the biggest myths out there is um, a probiotic that is a good one needs to be refrigerated. And, and I see why there's naysayers out there, because think about it, if a probiotic needs to be refrigerated to be alive, that means it can't even withstand the room temperature of the store shelf. So if you put that bottle of probiotics on a st- store shelf, they would die because it needs, to be, uh, it needs to be refrigerated. So what in the world would ever happen to it if, it if you swallowed it and your body temperature is 98.6, much warmer than the store shelf? So the overwhelming majority of probiotics that are refrigerated will die by the time they get to the intestines. And so um, people, it is so true that a probiotic needs to be active. It needs to be alive to confer a benefit. 
the thing is, it doesn't need to be alive in the refrigerator and the store shelf. It needs to be alive when it gets to your intestines. And that's the difference with the spore-based probiotics is when they're in the capsule on the store shelf or in your cabinet, they're actually dormant. And that's where the spore comes from. They have this endospore shell that covers it naturally. This is, like I said, this is the exact way these strains were found in nature. They were in the soil. They were dormant. They had this shell around themselves. It's not until you swallowed it, it went through your stomach, it hit the intestines. That's when it recognizes that it's it's at home. It takes its spore shell off and that's when it goes into its live vegetative cell state. So that's the biggest difference with spores is that they are alive when they get into the intestines. And a probiotic does not need to be alive when it's in the refrigerator. It needs to be alive when it hits the intestines. And that is probably the biggest difference between our strains and the majority of probiotics on the market is that ability to be alive. And it's why we're seeing such profound results with the product and why we have such incredible research. I and mean, we have a double-blind human clinical trial on leaky gut. We have a study called a gut model study that showed that these strains just after two weeks showed about a 30% favorable shift in the gut. I mean, I don't know a probiotic. I don't know a you know pharmaceutical out there that has any type of a study of that magnitude to show that type of profound shift in the gut just after two and a half weeks. Thank you so much for clarifying this discussion around active probiotics, spore-based probiotics. I'm glad we discussed that. And I also want to dive into a little bit of the results that you just alluded to. I'm really, really interested in talking about the gut-brain connection. Can you talk to me a little bit about what the gut-brain connection even is and why we are seeing such a rise in these discussions? Uh, the reason we're seeing the rise in the discussions is because there's so much research showing the communication between them is happening all the time. There's something called the vagus nerve. It's one of the largest or the largest nerve in the body that's connecting the brain from the brainstem down to the gut. And so there's communications going back and forth from the gut to the brain. And so think about this. I mean, think about like when you're excited about something, You what happens? You get butterflies in your stomach or you're nervous. You have to go to the bathroom. I mean, this is not just made up. This is truly the way our body is beautifully designed. And so it's really important that we're supporting our brain health to support our gut health. And we're supporting our gut health to support our brain health. So a lot of times people will say, you know, what are things I could do to help support my gut health? And one of the things I always tell people is meditate or go on a walk and make that a part of your routine, whatever it is that calms you down, because the calmer you are and the less, you know, cortisol, you know, levels that you spike are, is going to be beneficial to your gut. And People used to always think that was like kind of crazy, but it, it's very true. It's now based in science. It's researched very heavily, knowing that we need to be calm to send those calming signals down to our gut. And then the reverse is true. We need to take care of our gut to have a calmer mind. So we're kind of playing both sides of it, but it, we really, there is a gut brain connection that we need to be supporting. And the better communication going on between the gut and the brain, the better health you'll have. I feel like this is also so evident when folks look at it, even at a more surface level between the gut-brain connection. For example, people will acknowledge that if you're not eating well, you typically do not feel well. If you are eating poorly, that's reflected in your mood or reflected in the way that you're feeling day to day. And so when you take it one step further and think about how the gut is influencing all these other aspects of your brain, it makes a lot more sense if you are taking it really piecemeal. So you know that you are not feeling as calm when you are not doing things to uh, maintain your cortisol levels. As You know, there, it makes a lot of sense when you even break it down a little bit further when people are noticing that it matters what you put in your body. How you are taking care of your body is really influencing the way that you are feeling about a situation, that kind of psychobiotic connection in a sense. Yes, yes. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up, too, because that's another disruptor product that we brought to the market. So our first was the spore-based probiotic, but our uh, most recent, which has been, uh, you know, we had an unprecedented launch with it, was a psychobiotic. And and that's actually a strain that helps support that gut-brain connection and also is helping bring down cortisol levels and being able to perceive stress better. So the combination of the two are so powerful because 
we're seeing when people are taking the probiotic, the spore-based probiotic, they're actually, you know, helping support their gut health and having all kinds of great results with it. You know, I always laugh in the pharmaceutical model, you know, side effects include suicidal thoughts, bloody stools, all these horrible side effects where with the probiotic, we uh, side effects include more energy and better sleep, better weight management we've seen. You know, when you start to like fix your gut and make some major profound changes in the gut, you start seeing all these other benefits. I mean, you have more energy because think about it, you're getting rid of your toxins, you're going to the bathroom more regularly. Um, so it's it's really exciting to see that connection going on. So um, and then the psychobiotic is helping you, like I said, reduce the cortisol levels and be able to uh, manage stress better on a regular basis. Basis. Even there's a study on the psychobiotic strain in our product, Just Calm, that actually showed that um, it helped change brainwave activity. So it's actually bringing us more in that flow state, that theta state. That's like more of the flow state that you know puts us more in a meditative state and all that. So really great research on that strain. How is Just Calm different from your memory offerings? What is the psychobiotic connection between the gut and your memory. Yeah. So the difference between the probiotic in and of itself is that, you know, there's two causes of brain inflammation. One is, and I am trying not to get too sciencey, but the there's there's LPS toxins that are found in our gut. And those toxins really aren't that problematic until they seep into your bloodstream. When you have a leaky gut, which is a huge problem. They estimate 80% of the adult population has a leaky gut and doesn't even really know it with no symptoms. Um, those LPS toxins seep into your bloodstream and cause this inflammatory response by your immune system. There's That inflammation could go to your brain or it could go to your heart or it could go to your, you know, a different organ. But um, a lot of times we're seeing that a lot of this inflammation is going to the brain. So that's one cause of brain inflammation is those LPS toxins seeping into the bloodstream. Now, we already know that we have a double-blind human clinical trial on our strains and the probiotic that showed that these strains actually help seal up that leaky gut. They actually, um, we showed a 42% reduction in LPS toxins from seeping into the bloodstream. Um, now, on the other hand, our other cause of brain inflammation are external stressors that we deal with on a daily basis. You know, we get we get cut off in traffic or we get, um, a tweet that upsets us, or we get an email from our boss that upsets us, or whatever it might be, you get an argument with a loved one. We can't get away from these external stressors. We're faced with them all the time, but that's another source of brain inflammation that we're faced with. So the psychobiotic, what we're seeing is that the psychobiotic, the, the studies on it are so profound, showing that it's actually helping us like lower our cortisol levels and it, um, help us like lower our perception of the stress that's going on. And we all know those people that are just calmer in nature. Those people have more of this particular strain, this bifidal longum 1714 strain that actually, those are just people that can handle things that much better. So it's really great that these two products that actually could help both of those sources of, um, you know, offenders to our brain health. So it's been, it's been really exciting to see, but I mean, the probiotic alone is just, I always, it's like non-negotiable because we know what it's doing for, it's actually changing that garden in our gut. And it's it's why we're seeing such incredible results with the product. We've spoken very in-depth about these kind of day-to-day -day activities that we've discussed. So like external stressors, um, the environment that you're in, and being your own advocate in a sense of meditating, going on a walk, like really making sure that you're taking care of your mental health to support that gut health even further. I'm curious a little bit uh, if we could loop back to that modern medicine, big pharma conversation. I'm thinking like we we spoke about like IBS, for example, when we think it's not just about your digestive issues. There's a bigger conversation to have about your gut health when it comes to IBS um, mm -hmm. or when we talk about different functions of the brain. You know, it's not just about keeping yourself calm. It's like, how is your gut truly influencing these larger medical issues that we may be encountering. I think what's happening is because our society is so over-medicated right now, th those medications are actually detrimental to our gut health. And we know it's more chemicals and more assaults onto our bacteria in our gut. And so we're seeing that. And I, I mean, and, and we're also seeing, you mentioned IBS, people with IBS are actually, they have a higher incidence of depression and anxiety because, and, and, 
it comes as no surprise to me, of course, because I know this connection between the gut and the brain. And so, you know, I, like I, I even like psychiatrists and psychologists, I feel like they've had their hands tied prescribing SSRIs and anti-anxiety meds because they're, you know, where we're finding the most results is when people are focusing on their gut. Um, and, and because we've been focusing on the brain, which is a part of the equation, but not as big of a part as we thought. Like I mentioned, 90% of our happy hormone, serotonin, is produced in our gut. GABA, which is our calming hormone, is produced in our gut. Dopamine is produced in our gut. Nobody was thinking about that. They're all thinking it's all brain. You know, these all of these neurotransmitters are being produced only in our brain, and and that's actually not the case. And so, and what's happening, like I said, now we're being prescribed all these medications for every little thing that's going on, and it's actually you know, causing more problems with our gut health. And it's it's kind of a vicious cycle because sometimes people feel like I have to go, like, I get why people want to go on a pharmaceutical, but just try to make it temporary. You know, try, if you want to go on one, but like, let's do some other lifestyle changes that we could really make a big impact. They may take a little longer, but they're going to have a more of a they're going to have more of a profound effect on your overall health. If you look at internet search trends, there's never been more interest in learning a new language, and that interest is only increasing over time. And with Babbel, you start speaking new language in just three weeks, just in time to show off at the holidays. Instead of paying hundreds of dollars for a private tutor or pretending that you're learning with language apps that are basically just games, Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start learning a new language in, again, as little as three weeks. My favorite thing about Babbel is that it's really designed by real people for real conversations. They're helping you learn real-life conversation skills. If I'm traveling, I want to know how to order food. I want to ask for directions. I want to know how to speak to merchants. And I do not want to be consulting language apps while on vacation. The tips and tools you get from Babbel for learning a new language are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life conversations, and they're delivered with conversation-based teaching. There's a reason over 10 million subscriptions have been sold. Babbel is real language learning for real conversations. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners to get you started right now. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com ecochic Get 55% off at babbel.com slash eco-chic, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash eco-chic. Rules and restrictions may apply. Can you speak a little bit to those lifestyle changes that folks can pair with pharmaceutical drugs? So let's say, for example, if someone is experiencing, let's use the IBS example, because I feel like that's something that we typically associate with just simply digestive issues. If someone is interested in pharmaceuticals for a short period of time, what are those lifestyle changes that can support them in being their own advocate, being their own solution in these situations? I think nutrition is a huge part of it, you know, starting with a clean diet. And by clean, I mean, you know, trying to avoid, you know, glyphosates. And so trying to eat as organic as possible, but even just eating whole foods, you know, staying away from the processed foods. And I mean, unfortunately, like, I think like 73% of our grocery stores are processed foods and just really trying to avoid those as much as possible because eating whole real foods is going to be way more beneficial to you in in repairing your gut. Um, I also feel like eating a diverse group of foods. I think we're living in this world where we're tied to one particular diet and I'm of the opinion that we should be eating lots of different types of foods. Our ancestors used to eat 600 different types of foods a year. I think now we're on average, we're eating 16 types of foods a year as a society. So really trying to eat different roots and tubers and going to ethnic grocery stores and finding different types of vegetables. I mean, I'm a creature of habit too. You know, I'm, I love asparagus. I'm always like, oh, I'm just going to grab some asparagus. But, you know, I'm really try, I try to introduce my body to different types of vegetables on a regular basis as well. Um, but I, I'm a huge fan of trying to bring more food back into our lives rather than eliminating foods. Uh, like we're so um, kind of trained to do that. Um, I also think, like I said, walking in nature, meditation, doing things to calm ourselves down, even if it means drastic lifestyle changes, you know, your health is all you have, you know? So, you know, it's so hard. We're in like, you know, we could be in a terrible work environment and we're just like, oh, well, I have to pay the bills. And it's like, well, you're not going to have any bills to pay if you don't have your health. So, you know, really trying to, and I I know that's not always easy for people, but, you know, really trying to make that a goal of yours to get out of a bad situation. You know, when we're in a, you know, fight or flight is the 
mindset that is a protective mechanism, actually, that we evolved with. We had the fight or flight mechanism where we, if we were being chased by a saber-toothed tiger, um, we had this fight or flight and all this blood comes rushing to us. And it's like, it was, we were fortunate to have that because we're running from a saber-toothed tiger. But nowadays, what we're finding, what research is showing us is that we are staying in that fight or flight response when we, you know, get a tweet that we don't like or see, you know, see, get an email we don't like or see a tweet that upsets us or watch something on the news that upsets us or get into an argument with a loved one. It's like those things are keeping us in that fight or flight response. And what we're finding is people aren't getting out of that fight or flight response. We really, really need to focus on getting out of that fight or flight response and being more prescriptive about getting in nature and being calmer to take care of our overall health and going on bike rides, whatever it is that, you know, brings you joy and happiness. We have to get out of this mindset of like, oh, I'm so stressed out. You know, I like you get an award to be stressed out. You know, let's try to have a award for, you know, how long you got to meditate or what book you read last week or, you know, whatever it is, or how long you relaxed or exercised um, instead of like, oh, I, I was so stressed out. You know, I, I'm kind of on a tangent in a soapbox, but I just always, I think we have to start spreading that message to people that don't be so proud of how stressed we are. Let's be prouder of, you know, being calmer and living a better lifestyle by eating healthy, eating clean and taking walks in nature. I totally appreciate the soapbox, honestly. I have some thoughts that I want to share with you. I love, first of all, the recommendation of diversifying our diets. I've also heard that a very helpful way to kind of accelerate that or support that even further is diversifying the herbs and spices that you include in your diet, which I think is a very underrated um, kind of like cooking solution if you are looking to diversify your diet and support yourself even further internally. And I think that making those kind of healthful rituals a part of your daily activities really supports what you were sharing afterwards around stress. I think that we very often also, not only are we in a fight or flight because of the worlds that we're all living in because of our day-to-day lives, because of everything going on in the world, there's also this level of taking care of your health as a chore, which I think is very problematic in the fight or flight discussion. So taking care of your health because you have to, taking care of your health because maybe you have guilt associated with not going to work out or not going on that bike ride or whatever it is, and really shifting our mindsets, not just in taking care of ourselves because it's a necessity, but because it's something that is genuinely good for us long term. I think that's a clear distinction that we don't often make in the space and advocating for our own well-being or for our work-life balance. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. It's so true. We've got to take care of ourselves. And it's fun to feel good and do these things. And, you know, there's we can't feel guilty about having fun and doing, you know, things that make us feel good. Yeah. I think then on the other side of the discussion, if you are someone who's looking to not just heal your gut, but really take charge of that balance in your life, really getting involved with your health, Maybe you're already deep into that big pharma lifestyle. Maybe you are already on prescription medications that you don't feel you necessarily need. Maybe there is some crutch that you have tied to medicine that you don't feel you necessarily need. I want to talk a little bit about self-advocacy in the medical space. If you are someone who feels like you've tried everything or you're on medications you don't need or whatever it may be, we're hearing more and more stories of people healing themselves naturally. So I want to talk a little bit about being that advocate. If you are in that space, how can you start to be that, again, natural remedy advocate for yourself? Yeah, well, I think that is, that's another soapbox I'm going to go on. But you are the CEO of your own body and your own health. And you have to remember that. I mean, I, I, and I think it's that message is really coming across now to people, but I just cannot overstate that enough. You need to go into your doctor's office armed with questions, not defensive or not to put them on the defensive. Remember, I do believe they are there because they want to help you feel better. They just really don't know. A lot of them don't necessarily believe in these things because they've seen how medication has helped someone 
with one aspect of their health. You know, we've got specialists who are focusing on, let's say, cardiologists, they're focusing on the heart and they go on medicine, but they don't realize what happened to their digestive tract. And now they have this immune issue. And, you know, it's it's like, I, I just am a believer in a, a holistic approach. So I'm, our whole company is so um, passionate about empowering our customers. We want you to be empowered to go into your doctor with information, listen to podcasts like yours, listen to podcasts on health and wellness, do your own research, you know, don't take my word for it you know, start doing your own research, but really empowering yourself and knowing you are in charge of your health. You don't have to listen to what your doctor says. You can listen. And that might be, you know, because maybe what he or she said maybe did resonate with you and it makes sense. But if something doesn't make sense to you, question the doctor and just be be aware and knowledgeable. I mean, knowledge is power in these situations. And, it, and I'm telling you, even I'm so deep into it and I find it difficult because there is so much different information out there. But a lot of times just applying your own common sense, listening to what's working for yourself, um, knowing what tests to give. I mean, I go into my doctor and I give the list of blood tests that I want because um, the the average doctor is giving the most basic type of blood tests out there and they're not checking for inflammatory markers and different things like that. So you know, we need to be uh, empowering ourselves with these things when we go into the doctor. On the topic of blood tests, I have heard that there's also a lot of value in being proactive when you are asking for these tests. Very often people are not getting tested until it's too late or until they are, um, you know, trying to solve some other issue and now they're getting tested for different things. You don't have a baseline of your own body. You are being checked against the average person. So I feel like there's also this proactivity that needs to happen in the medical space. It's not just going to the doctor when you're advocating for yourself or um, you have an issue that you're looking to solve. There's also just preventative medicine that we all need to get more comfortable with, which is easier said than done, right? Like if you feel fine, you don't feel like you need to go to the doctor, that's great. But preventative medicine will, quite frankly, save you in the end. That's right. Yep, absolutely. And you, we can't feel bad about demanding these tests from our doctors, you know, and even if they push back a little, and my understanding is they have to, you know, write you the order for a test, the blood test that you're interested in. I mean, insurance may not pay for it, but I mean, and unfortunately, I'm at a point where I only go to doctors that don't take insurance because I feel like they're so bound, their hands are so tied by the requirements of insurance. And I know that that's not the case for everybody, but I would really recommend going in and trying to get um, the blood work that you want and doing research on that to find out what you want. But I will tell you that for your gut, there's really no commercial test available to know how disruptive your gut is. Most of those are being paid out of pocket. There's no like lab work you could go get done for your gut. Most of the research that we've done is the blood test that we've done has been in the research setting. Um, But, you know, it's safe to assume that your gut is really disruptive because, like I said, the world we're living in is so disruptive to our gut, and um, that's an unfortunate part. So I and and we know that all the other things that we're trying to do to help our like eating healthy, eat, taking different like taking vitamin D or vitamin C, all those things aren't going to be working if your gut is inflamed. If our gut is inflamed, it's not absorbing nutrients. So the number one place you start with health is not a multivitamin, not vitamin D. Those are all really important things, but you need to start with your gut because then your gut will be better equipped to absorb all those nutrients that you're taking. Wow. You know what I'm thinking? I'm just going back to the top of our conversation. I am shocked that all of these issues and tangents that we have gone on and discussed are tied to the way our soil has changed over time because of the modern agricultural system that we're living under. Thinking about modern pharmaceuticals, thinking about, we talked about the insurance industry, modern medicine, and also agriculture, like all of these things shifting so quickly from, you know, from the perspective of human history is really shocking on the body. So much has changed in such a short period of time that it makes perfect sense once we look at all of these issues holistically, that this is all tied to the way that we as humans have interacted and changed our interactions with our environment. Yeah, exactly. That was said so beautifully. It's so true. I mean, our the biggest threat to our ancestors was not 
IBS or Crohn's or allergies or heart disease. It was being chased by a saber-toothed tiger, you know, or, you know, infection would maybe be one of them. So modern medicine has definitely helped with that. But other than that, you know, they were living beautifully off the land. Um, they were exercising because they were foraging for their food and they were, you know, hunting for their food. But um, they they lived a pretty good life in that respect, uh, aside from, you know, being chased by wildlife. So <laughs> that's a little bit of a problem. Absolutely. It's just it's interesting to think that we are also living in a world that feels so separate from nature, right? Like yeah. we're talking about getting out in nature and being more in touch with your environment. And we're living in this built environment. And it feels so separate. But historically, this is not the way it's been. There's a reason that our bodies are reacting the way that they are. Yep, that's absolutely right. You know, we're always asking yeah. ourselves, why Why are we dealing with all these issues and diseases out there? And that it really, it does come down to the soil and, and this like very contaminated world that we're living in, unfortunately. But there's good news. We could do something about it. We can take care of ourselves. And yeah. so that's that's the good part. Absolutely. Tina, thank you so much for sharing so much knowledge with me. I feel like I've learned so, so much from you. Yeah, absolutely. And anytime, if anyone wants to go to our website, we have um, product coaches on our um, on our team. They are amazing. Um, these are health coaches that are on our team for um, as product coaches. And if anyone has questions, I would always recommend people starting with the probiotic, um, just and then adding in the just calm. And in fact, I believe if you go to justthrivehealth.com, that's our website, um, and where you could call our 1-800 number and set up an appointment with one of our health coaches if anyone or product coaches if anyone has any questions about the products. But I'd highly recommend the um, starting with a 90-day product because then you start to see all the changes. You know, you may see a difference in the first couple days, even uh, by for sure the first couple weeks, but. But when you're on it for like 90 days, you start to see the changes, like the true changes that going on. You know, you start seeing the energy levels increase. You start seeing better weight management. All these exciting things start to happen. Um, so that's why I always encourage the 90 days. So I have a coupon for you guys, which is Eco Chic, and that'll give 20% off of a 90-day bottle of the probiotic or or and or the Just Calm product, which is our psychobiotic strain. So we have a money back guarantee if anyone wants to try it. You have nothing to lose, but um, feeling good. Thank you so much for that, Tina. I really appreciate it. And I will have that in the show notes for everyone as well. Well, thank you so much, Laura. Really appreciate our time together in, a, in the conversation. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's conversation of Eco Chic with Tina Anderson, CEO and co-founder of Just Thrive. I hope you learned something. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. I loved participating in it and I loved listening to it back. If you enjoyed it, make sure you share it with a friend, post it on your Instagram story, send it to the family group chat, all of the things. And if you've made it this long, go ahead and rate and review Eco Chic wherever you're listening today, iTunes, Spotify, wherever it may be. Again, thank you so, so much for tuning in and hanging out with us today. I will see you next week. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.